This morning, I've been given the privilege to bring forth the word. Our pastor is traveling this morning with his family. So let's be praying for him this, this morning. We're going to get right into the word. I'm going to ask Brother Burton if he would stand and ask the Lord's blessing upon this service. Amen. This morning, I'm going to be in the book of Matthews, chapter 24, with verse 1 and through 14. You can just turn there if you would, and I'll also be going to Psalms 91, and then I'll also end up with Proverbs 18 this morning. But I want to begin with the Matthews chapter 4, beginning with verse 1 through 14. This chapter begins with a statement made by Jesus to his disciples, which in return raises three questions in the minds of his disciples, in which Jesus is asked to respond to and to bring clarity to. And today we're going to look at the impact of his statement and his response to their questions and the impact it still has on our world even today. So in Matthew 21, verse 1, it says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Now in verse 2, he asks them a question. And then makes a profound statement to his disciples. He's asked, do you see all these things, he asked? Truly, I tell you, not a one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Now in verse 3 came the, the questions produced by his statement. As Jesus was sitting in the Mount Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be your sign of your coming and the end of the age? These were the three questions which were, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of this age? And then in verse 4, Jesus began to answer their questions. He answered, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things, for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and coronavirus and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows, he says in verse 8. He was saying these things are not the end, but the beginning of the end. Church, let me go ahead and interject quickly right here. Coronavirus is not the end of the world. And then in verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, and you will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Hallelujah. See, it says verse 14, I want to focus on the gospel of the kingdom. And I want to say it's time for the church to produce the evidence. That statement won't make sense just yet, but if I'm able to handle this assignment I had this morning, it will be here in short, just a short while, though. It's an interesting thing as we look at the world around us and the systems and troubles, it's interesting to notice the things that, have, that Jesus articulated have and are happening now. They begin since the day he began to speak them. Even as I speak, these things are happening in greater propensity with greater intensity. And one of the things Jesus said would occur as the end of time approaches, he said, there would be a distress of nations with perplexity. In other words, he said, there, could be, there would be challenges that would begin to rise in the systems of the world, even between nations and ethnic groups and among governments all over this world. Wars and rumors of wars would be happening in the last days. 
not only just military wars, as I used to assume, but I believe he was talking also about culture wars and ethnic wars and social wars and racial wars, economic wars and political wars, that even children would war against their parents. He said not only will they be challenged, but challenges with perplexity. In other words, in the last days, there will be dilemmas that seemingly have no solutions. There will be difficulties that will lack complete resolve. That no matter how educated and intellectual we may have become, it will seem there are no solutions to certain things. Hallelujah. There's no precedence that has been established for the things to come. Folks, we are living in unprecedented times. There will be no generations that have ever faced these issues. Neither no one who's ever faced such a magnitude of resistance to finding answers. No wonder he promised in the last days that knowledge would increase. He knew it would be necessary because he knew the challenges would be greater in the last days. But yet even the knowledge of men alone, which has a limited capacity, won't supersede over these challenges. No matter how much knowledge men has, it will never match for God's infinite wisdom. He said these things must come to pass. So when it's time for them to, men won't have the knowledge to stop them. They will eventually be perplexed, too perplexed to resolve. In recent times in history, we've always been able to bring resolve. But get ready, church. I'm telling you, for things to happen in these last days, they can't be resolved because they must come to pass. It's going to be like fighting with the challenges, standing toe-to-toe, -to -toe, but it's not enough to win the war. It's now more of a containment plan than a resolvement. Keep alert and watch the increase of unprecedented challenges our nation will face, but not only our nation, but across the world. This is not God dealing with an individual nation, but this is God dealing with the world. And we will soon be overwhelmed with so many challenges. And if we are not united, they could divide and conquer us. For over 200 years, we have been honored to be known as the United States of America. But as evil prevails, we are slowly becoming divided states. Yet while the world is dividing, the church should be uniting. Because the leading agent of destruction in these last days will be fear, which will lead to panic and self-destruction. And lead to what Jesus prophesied in verse 10 of our text. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Church, these things are happening. And the church better wake up and realize what time it is. It's the greatest hour of the church. It's time for us to rise and shine and let our enemies be scattered. We must prepare for the second coming of the Lord. It's not a time to be fearful. It is a time to be faithful. And if we're faithful to him, he'll be faithful to us. We are a chosen generation, a peculiar people who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We shouldn't be fearful. We should be cheerful. It's time for a move, and this is a move. These are the days in which we are living. And if you agree, would you please stand to your feet and give God praise that you were chosen for such a time as this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise him. Hallelujah. Things are becoming more intense and perplexed. And of the various things Jesus declared, he also declared these things must come to pass. It's interesting as these things begin to evolve that leaders from around the world are looking for answers and finding out they don't have them. Now, as a child of God, if you've studied his word, these things should not come as a surprise to you. If you've ever read your Bibles, you should not be shaken. You should simply be awakened like an alarm clock going off. And you jump up out of your sound sleepness and you realize it's time to get up. I'm talking to the church. Thank God we serve a God who neither slumbers nor does he sleep, but watches over us and gives us fair warning to wake up for the hour is at hand. Jesus told us these things in his word. That's why now more than ever, we got to be word people. We got to read it. We got to hear it. And we got to apply it. 
Because people who don't know the word won't know what hour it is, won't know what this thing is, and will be seen by many with misinformation, politicalization, and Satan's deception. Jesus told us these things must happen. So when famine and pestilence like the coronavirus, oh yeah, let's talk relevance, when it begins to escalate, we shouldn't be all terrified. People are engulfed with fear, which is leading to panic. Folks are becoming paralyzed and are afraid to go anywhere, afraid to be around anybody. Panic to the point it's affecting the world economic system. We are being our worst enemy. And while the disease is spreading, so is misinformation and false propaganda. Some even believing this could be the end of the world. We're all going to die in 2020. I'll give you this could be the end of the world in 2020, but it's not going to be because of a virus. It's going to be because of the rapture of the church for the second coming of Jesus Christ. How can I be so confident? Because I know the word of God. My opening scripture I just read you backs me up in verse 6. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Am I nervous about this virus? No, I'm not nervous. I'm a part of God's witness protection program. God's got one for his people. I'm hiding out under the wings of the Almighty because he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness this morning? Hallelujah. You got to know the word of the Lord and you've got to believe the word. They say stores are selling out of hand cleaner and Lysol and toilet paper. I tell you what they ought to be selling out of is the Bible. In the hour which we are living, you need more than just clean hands. You need a clean heart. No, I'm not so concerned about what this virus is. I'm more concerned about what this represents. I'm concerned people aren't getting prepared for what's really happening. In verse 18, it says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows, the beginning of the end. I think we've been missing it for some time. I think there's been a lot of things going on for a while, and we've just been missing them, that we haven't been paying attention to what they represent. And the reason we are so focused on this one is because these things are intensifying with perplexity. We ain't got this one figured out. We don't have the cure or the vaccine for it yet. This one's unprecedented. There's a lot of uncertainty with it. Pestilence hasn't just started, church, but the intensity and the perplexity has. 2002, we had West Nile. 2003, we had SARS. 2005, we had bird flu. 2006, we had E. coli. 2008, we had the financial collapse. 2009, we had swine flu. 2014, we had Ebola. 2016, we had the Zika virus. Now, 2020, we have coronavirus, just to name a few. I'm not saying this virus is not real and that it's not serious because it is. But before someone tries to misquote me today, I'm not knocking the using wisdom and preparing for the virus with wearing masks and using Lysol and hand cleaners. Now, I might be knocking people buying up toilet paper, though. <laughs> I had to spend all day Friday raking up leaves in my yard, putting them in a garbage bag just in case. <laughs> Hallelujah. We got to be wise and prayerful. We'd probably be surprised how many have not even yet prayed about it. Some folks feel like if I pray about it, it'll suggest I don't have faith. That's a lie. Truth is, if you have faith, you will pray about this thing. Because the Word of God, I feel confident I can say this is not the end. It's not a pandemic that's going to wipe out the world. It's not the end, but it is a sign of the end of times is getting closer, and we better get prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because at any given moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the rapture of the church could take place. As Jesus said, these things must happen before the end comes. And while everyone's looking at what's going on to happen next, it's time for the child of God to take this opportunity to stand up and declare the word of God. Declared, I'm not going to be scared. I know in whom I believe. Stand up and give evidence to the fact that God, to the God that we say we serve is real. 
Declare that he's my very present help in times of trouble. If you hear someone say, I'm scared, it's time you shared. I've been thinking about getting me a t-shirt. I got me a slogan all worked out. If you're scared, go to church. See, one of the things about reading the Word of God, it gives us insight into the plans of God and the ways in which He will accomplish His plan, helping us to be better prepared for Him. If you look at what God did with the children of Israel just before He brought them out of Egyptian bondage, remember prior to the release, there were 10 plagues against the children of Egypt. That's what they called them. They called them plagues. But you know what? It's interesting that I found. In Exodus 3, God said, I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with my wonders. He called them wonders. But when God's wonders began to manifest to the Egyptians, they called them plagues. Why? Because it depends which side of the covenant you're on. What looks like destruction to an unbeliever should look like prophecy being fulfilled to a believer. It should be to the believer like an early warning system causing them to believe a storm is coming. But as an unbeliever, you can't hear the sirens for all the noise. Or you heard the sirens and you disregarded them. You've come too numb to the warnings. But there will come a time when the storm really will come. That's what's going to happen in these last days to many Preachers are going to sound the warning signs that the king is coming, that the end is near. And many are going to say, I've heard that for years. It, it, but I want to tell you something. It was prophesied that this would happen in 2 Peter 3, verse 3 and 4. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. What God is doing now is giving the world evidence of the hour in which we live. According to Matthews 24 and 44, the Son of Man will come in an hour. You do not expect him. You must always be ready for that hour. The Bible declares before God took the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt, it says there was darkness in Egypt, but there was a light in the land of Goshen. Goshen was the land that the Israelites inhabited during their bondage before the Exodus. So it wasn't whether or not the sun was shining or not. It had to do which side of the covenant you were on. I'm preaching good now. Hallelujah. Meaning while other people were experiencing darkness during the plagues, the Israelites, God's people, were experiencing wonders. What I'm saying is while this world has experienced darkness in this time that is a hand in our world, you and I as believers should be experiencing the glorious light as children of God because we're not trusting in the systems of this world. We're not trusting in chariots or horses. We're not trusting in Democrats or Republicans. We are trusting in the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. And while the world is roaming in darkness, the light is going to shine on this church. This church is going to prevail against the gates of hell, and the manifestations of the Lord are going to intensify and proclaim, the king is coming, the king is coming. Praise God, he's coming for me, he's coming for you, he's coming for you, he's coming for you, and he's coming for you. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. The situation Israel found themselves in was used by God to show them he, he's their light in their darkest hour. They didn't have to fear the plagues. They were to enjoy his wonders. They were to empower him, to trust him in spite of their surroundings. And now, I, I don't know if you've noticed or not. Hopefully, you've been paying attention to the preached word. If you have, then you should have been noticing by now that the preaching of the gospel is changing. It's a new season. There's a fresh anointing. And what's being preached and articulated from the pulpits of anointed and appointed preachers, not fakers nor church-friendly speakers, is changing. Not because of weather or the atmospheric pressure, but because the Spirit of God is directing the church to get back to the basic principles and the integrity of the Word. Because a lot of stuff that's being preached isn't working anymore. 
We got just as many unsaved in the church as we do out of the church. Now, I know I'd have a little trouble getting amen on that statement. That's okay, because I'm not trying to be popular. I'm trying to be faithful. Because we now have a generation of people who are no longer interested in our religiosity or our traditionalism or our cute sarcasm. They are saying, I want something that works. Show it to me. One thing that Jesus said that would have to happen in this hour of time is something's got to shift. With the preaching of the gospel. He didn't just say, and this gospel shall be preached. He didn't just say this gospel of salvation shall be preached. He said the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. Now, what's the difference between the traditional gospel and the gospel of the kingdom? He's not just talking about the basic fundamental of you must be born again. We all know being saved is first and foremost. Being saved alone, though, is not the end of salvation living. There is a lot more to it than that. There is a cause that comes with it, a responsibility to it. There should be a saved and now what moment happening. Saved so you become a child of God, a child of the kingdom. Can I tell you that the kingdom of God is larger than the church? The church is a gathering of kingdom children. It's a body of believers. And if you study the ministry of Jesus, he said very little about the church. He may have mentioned its name two or three or four times, but he was constantly talking about the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God, he knew, was bigger than just the church. Now, what I mean, what is the kingdom? The Greek, the Greek word for kingdom is versilius. It means rule, realm, and royalty. So he's saying here the gospel, the rule of God, should be preached at this hour. In other words, there's going to be a shift in proclamation. It's not just going to be about getting saved and making it to heaven, which, as I said, uh, is the most important. You've got to become a child of the kingdom to be able to be a part of the kingdom. But the gospel of the kingdom is about more than that. There has to be an emphasis now put on taking territories in the world system for the kingdom of God. You ain't hearing this just yet. And demonstrating rule over and superiority over this realm of this region and which we have been assigned to. It's time to produce the evidence of God's power upon this earth. And to do so, there has to be witnesses. Because his witnesses are his evidence of the power of his word. Must I remind you about Acts 1 and 8? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth in other words, you are my witnesses here on earth of my power. And greater things than this shall you do by the power that worketh in you. I wish I could get a witness to stand up this morning and say he's talking about me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm talking about the kingdom, the rule of God. How does God rule the kingdom? By his word, with his anointing, and with his spirit. Not by power, not by might, but my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The children of the kingdom are not children that go to church. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to produce some evidence. These are his children who have learned how to use the word of God and operate in the principles that release the anointing of God. I want to tell you something. In this hour, it's the word that matters. It's the anointing that matters. It's the spirit that matters. It's not a church attendance matter anymore. It's bigger than that. Because you can go to church all you want, and you can still die with the rest of the world. If there's no word in you, if there's no anointing in you, if there is no spirit in you, you're just a number on a roll call. I'm glad you came, but by now you shouldn't be the same. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, things are changing. There's a shift taking place. Something's moving. 
Something's changing. I'll tell you what's moving, and I'll tell you what's changing. God is moving, and the church is changing. It's becoming kingdom-minded. He said that it must. If you're going to stand in this hour, you're going to have to stand on the Word of God because I want to tell you something. Everything else is sinking sand. You better get some word in you. You better go buy you a Bible, and you better get to reading. If you would spend as much time reading his word each day as you do reading Facebook posts, you wouldn't be so scared by now. Oh. Oh. Oh, Whoa. Why did you make me say that for? Because it's the truth. You'd really know what's going on by now. He said the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom is the rule of God. Because we are a democracy, we really don't understand what a realm is. I want to tell you something, though. If you were living in Great Britain, you'd understand it better. You see, the queen has a realm, a territory, in which she presides over with sovereignty. All of the lands that are under the dominion of Great Britain are called the realm of the queen, known as the commonwealth of Great Britain. Jesus came to earth to expand his realm here on earth. And God declared to him, all power is given unto you on heaven and on earth. He's chose to do it by deploying people here on earth that he can trust to use to attack the world system who will raise up a standard using his word to gain territory for the kingdom of God here on earth. He's looking for a body that will go beyond the walls of the church to your neighbor's house, to the schoolhouse, and all the way, if necessary, to the White House. And take back what the enemy has stolen from God's people and expand God's territory. Do you remember him telling Jabez to large his tent, stretch his stakes? So he's saying... What's going to happen while this dark, when this darkness begins, and folks, it's fixing to get darker, and the church has got to be the light in this world. While this world darkens, things like coronavirus will begin to intensify with perplexity. You know this ain't our last trial, right? Let me remind you of the hour that we're living in. In the last days, perilous times shall come. If you don't know what time it is, it's the end times. But in the midst of it all, God is saying there's going to be a group, a remnant of people who will begin to demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom of God. Proving that the gospel actually has the power over these things. While everybody else is stocking up on a mask and hand sanitizer and Lysol and toilet paper for whatever, while people are living in fear and panic, there will be a group who will be shouting, Fear not, for God is with us. Stand upon the word of the Lord. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Declaring that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a love and power and of a sound mind. Operating in the word with the anointing by the spirit of God, we will prevail. Some folks are afraid to say it and proclaim it. You better say it by faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hallelujah. I understand why it pleases God to hear us speak by faith. It pleases me when I hear you say amen, expressing your faith this morning. Some of y'all ain't said nothing yet. It's time for some of y'all to start shouting amen. And if you would shout, shout it out a little bit louder. I sure would appreciate that this morning. He said, this gospel of the kingdom should be preached in all nations. The word nation is the word ethnos, from which we get the word ethnic. To say it will be proclaimed amongst every ethnic group, regardless of race or culture. Here is something we have not yet fully understood. When you got born again... You became of another ethnicity. The Bible calls us a peculiar people, a holy nation. Whether you're red, yellow, black, or white, you now belong to a new ethnicity that don't see color. Remember, you're a new creature, 
a new ethnicity, a distinct group. You're set apart that's connected to the kingdom of God. You're now a citizen of heaven regardless of what country you were naturally born in. And now regardless of your color, your age, or your social status, nobody on this earth can stop you from being a child of the kingdom of God. You now have been seated in heavenly places, giving you dominion over a realm, over a territory that God has sent you over to rule. And you're now persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor the height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You belong to the King. Hallelujah. And this gospel of the kingdom should be proclaimed in all the world as a witness to all the world. And your witness is to be the evidence of it. The gospel that is preached in all the world is for the purpose of producing evidence. And the evidence is the child of God that witnesses of him. It will be witness to all people that he's God and he's in control. As to say... When all hell's coming against this world through principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places, you will stand up as a witness and declare the word of the Lord unashamed and unafraid. Your witness of his word will be the evidence the world needs to know that there is a God. The authority and the anointing by which you speak and proclaim his word will pierce the hearts of the hardened. His word's sharper than any two-edged sword. Your witness of his word will be the answer and the truth that they are looking for. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. How can they hear unless a preacher is sent? In the middle of all this darkness, you are to let your light shine. In the middle of all this darkness is the greatest opportunity ever for the church to share the gospel of the kingdom. To not only get people saved, but to recruit an army of soldiers of the faith ready to take over the enemy's territory. Church, this is a move. To turn this region into a realm, a territory that is ruled by the kingdom of God's word and by his anointing and by his spirit. In this hour, the gospel is about so much more than you just getting saved. It's also about you doing what you were saved to do, to be a witness, to be evidence of the kingdom of God. That when everyone else is panicking and you're not, it's a witness that God is your rock. When everyone else is giving up and you're not, it's a witness that God is your strength. When everyone is losing their mind and you're not, it's a witness that, the, that your God is your peace that surpasses all understanding. It's declaring the word of God with all authority. It's saying we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but we are not destroyed. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, I'm the head and I'm not the tail. Saying if this thing and that thing happens to everybody else doesn't mean it has to destroy me. Because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I got folks wondering, what should I do in an economic downfall? What should I do during a pandemic, during a famine, during pestilence, during a disaster? They're asking because they don't know the word. Well, I'll read it for you. So let me give you this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging for it. Now is the time to proclaim his word to produce evidence. Now is the time to lay hands on your children and declare Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans you have for them, plans to prosper them and not to harm them, plans to give them hope and a future. It's time to bring your family together and declare to them, we'll not be afraid of the peasants that walks at noonday or the arrows that fly by night. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now is the time for men. 
Men to rule your home and declare, we'll not forsake the assembling of the saints, which will give all, we will get all the more as the day approaches. It's time to declare a loved one. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all this other stuff will be added to. It's time to quit playing church. It's time to reprioritize, making God first. It's an hour in which, as a believer, you got to say something. I'm talking about literally saying something. There's life and death in your tongue. There's cursing and blessing in your tongue. Well, let me see if you can agree with this. The Word of God over your life isn't simply just going to come to pass because God spoke it to you. Don't shut me down yet. The Word of God is going to come to pass when you say what God has said. We think when God said it, that's it, and that it settles it. Here's how it goes. His word is declared. And the Bible says his word is forever settled in heaven. Didn't say it was settled on earth. It's settled in heaven. And for it to be settled here on earth, somebody on earth has got to say what he said in heaven. Hunter was shut up. See, when Jesus was in the desert for 40 days being tempted by Satan, how did he defeat Satan and overcome his attacks? By declaring, speaking God's word that was already settled in heaven. And when he declared it on earth to Satan, it settled it here on earth. He declared, for it is written. In other words, it's done been declared in heaven. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. You live by the words that God has done declared in heaven. Come on, somebody. You got to know the word, and you got to speak the word. That's why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's why Jesus said when you pray, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Woo! Man, you're a witness of God's grace is the evidence you got to share down here on earth to show God is real. I want to tell you something. I know what I'm talking about right here. When my daddy at 78 years old told me one day, son, you got to sit down. I got to tell you something. And he looked at me with a tear rolling down his eye. For the first time in 37 years, I've never seen a man cry. And he said to me, son, I went to the preacher's house today, and I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And for the first time I ever heard in my life, he looked at me and he said, I'm sorry, and I want to tell you something, son. I love you. And I want to tell you something. When I finally came to a conclusion that, that the only thing that had ever changed my daddy's heart, callous heart, was the fact that he told me that he'd given his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And when he witnessed that to me, it gave me the evidence that God was real and six months later I got saved you got to be a witness of the evidence of the word of God hallelujah let's go to Psalms 91 he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty I want you to notice here there's two different names used for God here first the most high He's talking about El Elyon, the God above all gods. He's the highest. Ain't no other higher than you, Lord. And to him that has a revelation that his God is the most high God, that there's nothing more higher than them, that there's nothing bigger than him, that there's nothing greater than him, that there's no circumstances higher than him, there's no diseases higher than him, there's no viruses that are higher than him, there's no famines that are higher, no situations higher than him. In other words, there's nothing greater than El Elyon. And he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of El Shaddai, God Almighty, the All-Sufficient One. And he's saying, when you know your God is the Most High God and the Most Powerful God, that he is God above all gods, you will know that whatsoever you have need of, he can provide for you. Because he is I am. 
He's I am whatever you have need of. He says, just run to me to that safe place. I'm your protector. I'm your provider. I'm your healer. I'm your deliverer. I'm your vaccination. I'm your immunization. I'm your peace. I'm your comfort. I'm your strong tower. I'm your very present help in times of your trouble. And I've come to tell you God has got this and God has got that when these things shall come to pass. You just got to trust him and dwell in the secret place of the most high. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadows of the almighty. Then in verse 2 he says, and I will say. <laughs> Woo. And I will say. I told you you got to say it. And I will say. Hallelujah. Here it is. I shall speak it. He's my refuge. He's my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Have any of y'all spoken that over your life yet? Remember, there's power in your tongue. His word is settled in heaven, but you got to settle it here on earth. <laughs> you got to get this. Your help from God is voice activated. You have not because you ask not. You haven't even said you want God to help you just yet. Your healing is voice activated. Your immunization is voice activated. Your prosperity is voice activated. Whatever you need from God, you got to speak his word over it. But if you don't know the word, you got nothing to say. Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, say. Believing, you shall receive. So that while everybody else is standing in line, buying up a mask and hand sanitizer and toilet paper, and they look at you, and you got nothing more than a box of Twinkies in your hand. <laughs> and they ask you, ain't you scared? And you say, no. I have said I have said, he's my rock, and he's my fortress, my God, in whom I will trust. If believers will speak it, you might not have to stand in line so long anymore. Because what you say might calm a lot of people down. When they realize, instead of standing in the lines all day, they really just need to be home, hiding in the secret place under the shadow of the Almighty. Church, God needs some witnesses speaking to your neighbors and your families instead of them seeing you being just as scared as they are. They don't know the word. Do you? If you say you do, say it. Say it now. Say it loud. Say it proud. Somebody's got to produce some evidence of faith. And I believe that God has chosen the church to be his mouthpiece. Let's go to verse 3. Now, here is God's response to the person who just said, He's my rock and forges my God in whom I will trust. Verse 3. Surely I will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from perilous pestilence. God was saying, since you said you trusted me, I'm going to deliver you from the snare of the fowler and perilous pestilence. Am I making my case? Who is he going to deliver? He said, whoever says so. And then verse 4. He shall cover thee with his feathers. And I went, whoa! With his feathers? God ain't got no feathers. I had to think about that one. <laughs> oh. Ah, oh, ah, oh. but he's got angels. And I know if angels have got wings, then they got feathers. And the Bible says that the angels hearken unto the voice of the word of the Lord. So when you speak the word, angels respond to his word, and they begin to surround you. Warring angels are deployed by his word to you because they have to be obedient to God's word. When you speak it, they got to show up. His truth. What is his truth? His word is truth. His truth is his word. His truth shall be your shield. 
That whenever you speak his word, his word begins to build a hedge of protection around you. And therefore, whatever tries to get you has got to get past his word, and that ain't happening. <laughs> and then verse 5 says, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrows that fly by day. I want you to lift up your hands in this place all over for just a moment. Lift up your hands for just a moment. Close your eyes. Right now, right here. I bind that spirit of fear off of your life right now. You are free in the name of the Lord. Be free, live free, and believe freely that God is in control. I bind it. I remove it in the name of Jesus Christ. Give God a hand clap of praise. And then he goes on in verse 6. says, Neither will you be afraid of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. He says, a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 may fall at my right hand. I might be walking, and they may be falling on my left, and they may be falling on my right, but I'm just going to keep on walking. I'm just going to keep on doing what God has called me to do. Am I scared? No, I'm not scared. And then all those nice folks and those good religious folks will say, Randy, you better not say that. I'm going to say, no, no, I got to say it, because if I don't say it, I don't have a hedge of protection around me. I don't have the word of God protecting me. I've got to speak his word. Oh. You know why? Because his word has declared it shall not come near me. I'm not scared because this thing takes me out. I know where I'll be. I'll be with thee, the one in whom I believed. You either believe it or you don't. And God sent me to tell the body of Christ, either you see what's going on in the world as destruction or you see it as his wonders taking place, preparing for God to deliver his people. And how you see it depends on what side of the covenant you are on today. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. It's the beginning of the end of the times. And Jesus said, these things must come to pass. He said, you're going to hear of rumors and rumors of wars. You're going to see famine, and you're going to see perilous persist, pestilence and earthquakes. You're going to see them intensifying with perplexity, things that are going to come that are going to be unable to be resolved. You're going to see the nations in distress. He says, and when you do, look up, because your redemption draweth nigh. I repeat, there's nothing wrong with preparing for disasters and using common sense, submitting to help with a crisis. But instead of trying so hard to prepare for a virus and becoming a part of the panic, how much more when you see these things should you be trying to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Making sure you're ready, making sure your children are ready. These things are signs that he's coming, church, and he's coming soon. And it's time for the church to be the witness we've been called to be, to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to be the voice crying in the wilderness, to speak by faith, to walk by faith, we're to live by faith in order to produce the evidence that God is the hope for the world. All kinds of folks wondering, is this going to take me out? Is this the one? And I'm going to tell you something. And you will wonder about the next thing. And the next thing. Is this the one? But I want to tell you something. As a believer, you don't have to wonder. The word tells us to not be troubled. These things must come to pass, but it's not the end yet. You know, as a believer, there is nothing going to take you out of here but God when he says it's time for you to go. Matter of fact, according to his word, before the tribulation, he's promised to rapture the church. For the believer is not appointed to wrath that great and terrible day. This is where we're at, church. At any given moment in the twinkling of an eye, the church can be raptured. That's what you need to be prepared for. And while everyone else is glued to Fox and CNN and every other source of news, watching to see how the virus is progressing, looking to see where's it at now? Where's it at now? Upon hearing, it's getting closer and closer to home. 
They're panicking and panicking more. But I just want to ask, who's watching for the signs of his second coming? And who is preparing and panicking as the hour of his return gets closer because they know they're not ready? As I said earlier, this virus doesn't concern me as much as what it represents. Because I'm afraid there's a lot of people who aren't ready. They got Lysol hand sanitizers and toilet paper, but they don't have Jesus. I still got family members who aren't ready for his return. And I know it's drawing near. They don't know the season we're in because they don't know the word. And too often the church ain't saying nothing. Not producing any evidence of their faith because they're not witnessing. And it's time for the church, if you see something, to say something. Because the world is watching the church and how it's responding at this hour. They're watching you. Are you producing any evidence of your faith of God in the midst of this turmoil? Are you telling anyone about the gospel of the kingdom? Now is the greatest opportunity to be a witness to say so. And verse 9 says, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Because you made the Lord your dwelling place. When did you make him your dwelling place? When you said so. When you said he's my refuge and my fortress and him I will trust. Because you've done that, he promises in verse 10 that no evil shall befall you. It's not going to take you out, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. If that promise doesn't calm your fears, nothing will. You've got to say so. Verse 11 says, for he shall, here it is, give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. He's saying, I got you covered. Go ahead and do what you got to do. Go ahead and go where you got to go. You're protected. You're surrounded by a heavenly host. That ought to be enough for someone to stand up this morning and shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on. Ha. Praise the Lord. Been way too quiet. Time to speak up. There's a lot of folks come to church, but they don't speak the word over their house. It shall not come near my dwelling. Over their health. You are the Lord God that healeth me. Over your finances. Over your children. It's time for the believer to walk out of this church today in the midst of all the fear and the chaos and the panic and speak the word to a scared and hopeless people. Declare them, fear not, for God is with us and he's not against us. Pull your family together and tell them, our help comes from the Lord. Declare to somebody before you was ever formed in your mother's womb. Declare it's God's desire to show himself strong on your behalf. You got to speak the word. When Jesus stood up in the boat in the midst of the raging storm while his disciples feared the worst, he stood up and declared, peace be still, and it was. And even the wind and the waves had to obey. His words had already been settled in heaven. He just had to settle it on earth. It's time to speak peace to our nation. Would you stand with me this morning? And musicians, would you come quickly?